0: if I went, I wouldn't want her to feel like I felt like I didn't know my mum.
1: Hi, this is Mary May. Welcome to One of One, a podcast made by and for only children. What happens when we lose a parent at a young age? How does it impact our outlook on parenthood and what we want to leave behind for our children? My guest today, Emma Reynolds, was only 15 when she lost her mom, and theirs had been a tumultuous mother-daughter relationship. Now that Emma's raising a daughter of her own, she sees more of her mother and herself and tries to bring more of the past into her present. Emma is the mom of an angel baby, Jasmine, and a rainbow baby, Amelia. She's married to Simon, who is also an only. Our conversation today took place via Skype, and there's also a bonus section at the end of the episode where we hear from Amelia herself. So Emma, I'd love to hear the story of
0: how you got your name. Um. So I think my mum and dad kind of agreed that they would each choose names. And my mum would choose boys' names, and my dad would choose girls' names. So my mum's choice was James Alexander, and uh, my my dad's choice was was uh, um, Emma Louise. In fact, which is my first name. It's it's hyphenated, and I I don't have a middle name. And it's funny because until you know quite. <laughs> until I was kind of a fair few years old, I think the the first time I had to get my own passport myself and I kind of saw my birth certificate, was the first time I realised that my first name was Emma Louise. And it wasn't that I was just constantly being told off for being naughty, because I was very naughty very cheeky into everything. And I was just always being called Emma Louise or Emma Louise Ruff, because my surname was Ruff, R-U-double-F for Freddie. And um, yeah, just always thought I was being told off, which I, I was. But obviously, it was uh, funny to discover that that was actually my first name.
1: Wow, that's such an interesting kind of adult discovery of your full name. And Emma, how was it that you came to be an only child?
0: I don't know the full story of my, my parents are... Were kind of there was a, a slightly bigger age gap though so at the time kind of quite unusual I think it's about seven I think it's about six or seven years and and in actual fact I I don't know I think it was just kind of circumstance and you know trying and and sort of not being successful um, and it's interesting because both my parents came from quite big families my dad was one of eleven I think and my mum had two whole sisters and then six half brothers and sisters. So they both came from kind of quite big families, but in, in the end it was, you know, just, just the three of us. There, you know, there was never kind of any real discussion about how that came to came to be. So what was your relationship like with each of your parents So I mean my relationship with my dad was always I always kind of felt a lot closer to him and it always felt kind of a lot easier. And I was quite a I was quite a sort of rough and tumble girl. Not what I would kind of call sort of a a traditional girl in, you know, in the late 70s, kind of early eighties. And, you know, my mum kind of very much wanted to sort of dress me up and for me to have pretty hair and wear nice shoes and kind of, you know, I just wanted to be scrabbling around in the mud and, you know, climbing trees. And so in a way, we were kind of always a bit at odds in in that kind of circumstance. Whereas, you know, in a strange way, although I was kind of, again, you know, like a, what I would describe at the time as a tomboy, I kind of always assumed that My dad had wanted a son because we, you know, did DIY and we fixed things and we did, you know, we played computer games and, you know, he was always kind of involved in kind of my sort of make-believe games and he and I kind of watched like sci-fi programs and again, you know, in the sort of 70s, early 80s, they were not perhaps as kind of conventionally girly things Um, whereas now obviously we all do what makes us happy to a greater or lesser extent and we watch what we want and we don't you know we try to just kind of be ourselves but then I I feel like I, I felt slightly at odds to the role I was meant to be and in a way I often thought that my dad wanted a boy because we did all these kind of boy type things and I really enjoyed them but I also felt like that's kind of how he wanted me to be and then to find out that he was the one who wanted to name a girl and and I I guess he was the one that wanted a you know a daughter you know over a son if you you know if you have a preference that was I I found that really interesting because I, I just had always assumed that he'd kind of wanted you know, he'd wanted a boy, and that's why I kind of, you know, gravitated to those things. Whereas, you know, I always, yeah, I kind of always felt at odds with my mum. And I don't know if it's just because I was so close to my dad. My dad did kind of shift work, so I often feel like I saw him more often or for longer periods of time, whereas my mum worked kind of long hours in central London and she didn't get back until sort of late and she was involved in kind of lots of, like, activities outside the house. So she was involved with, you know, local council and kind of when I was a bit older, she was involved, like, as a school governor. So she was kind of out a lot at meetings and so kind of, yeah, just... My dad and I, were I I kind of always just remember it as, you know, my dad and I at home being kind of a unit and my mum sort of flitting in and out, I guess. And my mum used to love having, like, people round for lunch on a Saturday or Sunday or having big parties, you know, and... I don't know, Monday would be, I'm having, we'll have a few people over on a Sunday and by Sunday it would be like 13 people round our massive dining table. You know, my mum would kind of cook all Saturday and cook all Sunday for, for kind of Sunday. And so it was always kind of very busy at the weekends. And I think that... I kind of often just wanted it to be, you know, my dad and I probably both were just on the periphery quite a lot, thinking this is just really busy and there's so many people and we wish we could just kind of be somewhere kind of quiet, you know, and just kind of be together. And it's funny because I, I don't remember, I don't remember a family holiday with just the three of us until I was, kind of a teenager so we kind of went away with other families or we went to stay with a with family so there was always again just lots of people kind of with us and around us and yeah I just I remember this just one holiday where you know where the three of us went away together and it was kind of just the three of us together And that was kind of just a really sort of weird time because we just, it was like we weren't really used to it. It was very odd. And my mum certainly was always just annoyed with my dad and I because I guess we were so close. And, you know, we had all our kind of little jokes and the things that we would do to, you know, make each other laugh. And, you know, my mum wasn't kind of part of that. And, yeah, when I look back, I just feel like I was always cross with her. I don't don't know why. Maybe because, you know, she passed away when I was 15 and so I maybe was already starting to get into that phase and perhaps had I been older or, you know, obviously had she not kind of passed away, our relationship would have developed and I probably would look back on those times differently, but they're kind of, with her gone, they're just set as I was always just cross with her. That's kind of how I think about it that's how I kind of view that time in my life
1: do you think that your mom having these big dinner parties was almost her needing to have the feel of having a bigger family
0: yeah I mean you know we lived in a big house and you know I don't know if if we lived in a big house because there was the thought of a potentially bigger family that that kind of never happened or whether you know we lived in in a big house because it was a status thing you know it it, 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 whether it was kind of that side of things um or whether it was you know the the thought that there could have been more of us but yes you know the, the the house was kind of always kind of filled with people And, yeah, and kind of perhaps, you know, my mum was a very good cook and I think she liked to kind of nurture people. She liked to kind of provide and I think she kind of liked that, you know, kind of feeling of kind of everyone sort of gravitating to her house. So, you know, people used to joke if, you know, if she had been planning to have 14 people for lunch... And one of them dropped out. She'd go out the front door and just pick the first stranger to come in and, you know, come in and and eat dinner with us. You know, that's kind of what she was like. And, you know, we'd meet people. We met a couple on the plane home, I think from the family holiday that the three of us went on. Um, And she just got talking to them and invited them to Sunday lunch and they came. And, you know, I don't know if that kind of speaks volumes about her or about them or, you know, just how they gravitated together. And actually these two (laughs) completely, you know, this this, you know, complete these complete strangers who, you know, my mom may have talked to for like, you know, I don't know, four or five hours on a plane. I actually thought, yeah, we're going to go around to that lady's house for lunch. You know, she seems really lovely. I'm going to go and see that family. So, you know, maybe it was having come from sort of bigger families, maybe or for her, from her point of view, maybe that was kind of her wanting, you know, to have the house sort of full all the time.
1: You mentioned earlier that you lost your mom. How old were you
0: when that happened? So it was. I was fifteen, um, and it was my kind of GCSE year. So here, that's kind of back then, like the 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 sort of the the fifth form. And she'd been quite sick for maybe. Well, she she'd been sick for for maybe two years. She'd had treatment for a lump in her breast and I think she found that in 88 and then I went away in the summer of 89 to stay with uh, family in America and um I I kind of remember ringing you know ringing home at the kind of allotted times and it was always my dad that answered and you know your mom's out she's late you know she's late from work she's gone to this committee meeting you know I didn't really think of anything of it and when I got home my dad said that she'd been really sick in hospital that whole kind of summer that I'd been away and you know I was absolutely furious that kind of nobody like my family kind of all knew and I was the only one that didn't know kind of what was going on and and I was you know I was really cross and then in you know at the same time I was kind of quite relieved to not have had to kind of live through that time um and and just kind of you know be at the hospital kind of watching her um uh, and then so that that autumn we spent a lot of time kind of in the hospital um you know back and forward um from school um in the afternoons and then she came home I think kind of late autumn and I you know I, I don't think I necessarily kind of realized that that was kind of it that was that was the kind of the end journey so she came home and you know we just sort of cared for her at home and we had a nurse and we had a friend who came to kind of nurse her and take care of her um and yeah so she she we had christmas and and again the house was just always kind of full of people which, you know, uh, you know, on reflection during that time, you know, was was the right thing, you know, people coming to see her and visiting her. But again, kind of we were, my dad and I were kind of pushed to the periphery as hosts, you know, constantly kind of making tea and biscuits and, you know, kind of feeling like intruders in our own home. It just, it was a very, very kind of strange time. So, yeah, so we kind of saw her in the new year and she passed away in, in the January. Um, so, you know, she she kind of died at home, which I think was kind of always, always the plan that she'd kind of come home for palliative care rather than, you know, that she was kind of getting better. And she just wanted to be at home, which I don't again, I don't think I really I don't think I really realized until it actually until she'd gone that that's what was happening
1: And during the time that she was home on palliative care, did your relationship change at all with her?
0: So I think that um, I had a conversation with my dad like some years later, um, and he said to me that that she didn't ever believed that she was going to die she didn't ever believe that that this was the end so she actually wasn't prepared for it um and she kept really sort of denying that it was happening so to the point that there wasn't really any room towards the end to kind of to really change anything so all of her energy kind of went into sort of fighting and kind of just sort of staying alive but there was just no kind of energy or or sort of space for for anything else so you know even the people that came you know my my you know would have would have been kind of my aunts and uncles or my mum's close friends kind of never and even my dad we never really we never really approached the conversation like this is we're coming to the end or well, not that I remember, you know, we're coming to the end and we need to be kind of prepared for this. Um, Cause I still feel like it, 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 sort of came as a shock. And I, I, you know, still to this day, I find it challenging that there was no kind of grand gesture from her. You know, I've seen movies and, you know, you have kind of a romantic notion that, You know, there is going to be this kind of opportunity to say the things that you haven't said, to make your peace with things, to leave a letter, you know, to leave kind of some sort of, you know, secret legacy that pops up like later, you know, and kind of makes it all okay, you know, a a kind of a goodbye. And there was just none of that because she never believed she was going to go. And again a story that's only been recounted to me kind of recently in the last probably six months we went to see kind of one of my mum's friends and she did it was actually her husband who said that you know he remembers kind of her sort of talking you know about just about how much kind of she loved everybody and and you know and how I think how proud she was of me of how kind of well I was doing and you know how difficult it was probably going to be. And, you know, how pleased, you know, she was that this gentleman had come into my friend's life, because they kind of met sort of a, a bit later in life. Um, and, you know, she kind of, you know, to, to him seemed to talk about, you know, some of those things about, you know, what might be kind of coming ahead and how she sort of felt. And I also remember towards the end, she used to see her life kind of Rolling past her, the foot of her bed, like a film, like just kind of events kind of happening. And I remember, you know, I remember my dad saying that, you know, she talked about kind of, you know, my childhood and things like that. But again, nothing kind of directly to me. And again, another kind of family encounter I had where um one of my cousins um said to me that when she was in hospital she had like a poster of pictures of me that she had like stuck up on like the beside her bed so that she could kind of see all the time but that she hadn't wanted to worry me by the sight of it and so she always asked the nurses to take it down and like, it's not that I don't believe him, but obviously we cleared his, we cleared her room and brought all her stuff home. And I, you know, that wasn't in the selection of things that kind of came home. So you know, maybe it got lost because it was taken down, or I, I don't know. But you know, he was kind of really adamant that you, you know that was kind of you know the evidence, you know, of of kind of how she felt and how she didn't want to worry me. But you know. That kind of never materialized. I mean, obviously, it's it's kind of it's been thirty years. It was thirty years at kind of the 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 beginning of twenty twenty, and yeah, I've never seen any evidence of that. So I just you know, it was just kind of very hard. So I'm I, I'm often kind of very I'm very stuck in that place of being fifteen, and cross with her, before, and cross with her for going and not kind of leaving me anything to guide me. But obviously that's a very romantic notion that you're able, you have time to do that, that you think to do that. If you're going to go.
1: Did losing your mother at such a young age kind of impact your thoughts on parenthood? Like, did it make you think that you wanted to be a mother more? After having gone through that experience, or or not,
0: I have a weird memory of turning sixteen and worrying that I didn't have a boyfriend and that I wasn't pregnant and that I didn't have a house. and And I vividly remember that at sixteen, and then you know, and then it was gone. And I never really gave it a lot of thought. I kind of just thought it would be the natural course of things I don't think I didn't I wasn't someone who planned what my wedding would look like or imagined it or I kind of didn't think I I don't think I ever thought really in those terms so I didn't have a plan you know I was with uh, um, my before I met my husband you know I was kind of with my kind of long-term boyfriend from kind of sixth form college through kind of university and and my early working life and I'm kind of naturally thought at some stage you know we would get married and, and have children but I didn't think we're going to do that in 1999 when I am such and such an age and then three years later you know after getting married we're going to do this I kind of just always I'm a bit of a wing it sort of person I just think things will kind of happen when they happen um and so you know that that kind of relationship sort of broke down, and then I you know, I met um, Simon, my 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 husband. and again, we just thought we'll just go through the natural progress of things. and And again, I thought, at some stage, I'll just feel like, you know, now is the time. And then we got married, and and actually, I kind of ended up being an older mum because I just kept waiting for it to feel right and then you know we sort of realized you know by a certain time if you still want to do it you've kind of just got to get on and do it whether you're sort of ready or not and our kind of peers you know in our kind of friends group were kind of either further along or they were younger and so kind of weren't really sort of beginning that sort of journey and so we were like okay well we kind of just need to get on with it and whether we're ready or not, if we want to to have a family, now the ticking is, you know, the 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 kind of the biological ticking of the clock rather than a you know a a sort of a moment where you say, Okay, right, let's do this kind of now. You know, we got married and then it was just kind of the next thing to do if you if you, you know, if you get my drift.
1: And how many kids did you think that you wanted to have at the time?
0: I really wanted kind of a a brother or a sister. And I'd always kind of, I had always kind of wished for that. And I, more so maybe because, you know, losing my mum meant, you know, our family suddenly became kind of very small and and sometimes kind of very fragile because it was just the two of us um, kind of trying to take care of each other. Um, So I think in my mind, I kind of, I really wanted safety in numbers because i think losing losing a parent well i guess i guess losing anyone makes you realize that loss is possible so if you live a you know gifted life i guess no i don't know if you you know if you live a life that is untroubled by kind of death then you you kind of I think I I think you know everything seems a lot more rosy and you can't really you don't really kind of think about death but kind of losing a parent and you know I lost a very close friend about uh, 10 years after my mum died and and kind of having that sort of so so kind of close to me kind of made me think if there were more of us <laughs> you know if I go that's what kind of crosses my mind you know, on a regular basis is, you know, what if I die, then, then there'll be kind of safety in numbers if there is, if if there is more of us. And, you know, conversely, you know, Simon is an only child. So my husband is an only child. And, you know, he loved being an only child. And so he only wanted one. And, you know, we're, we're kind of very different in personality. So despite struggling with my mum having so many people around the house i'm probably more of an extrovert whereas he is most definitely kind of more of an introvert and you know likes his sort of peace and quiet and his sort of solitude and you know his kind of close circle of friends whereas i'm kind of much more i'd like to be out and you know kind of be around people but you know in in the end we we sort of agreed that we that we would, you know, that we would have two. That's what, you know, that's what we would kind of aim to do. And you know, he he agreed. So tell me about your first motherhood experience. So our our first daughter, Jasmine, was born very early. It was a very difficult pregnancy. I was very kind of poorly all the way through. I had um Prenatal mental health issues so I, I, I just I, I was you know it was a it was a tough tough pregnancy and she was kind of quite poorly in the womb we'd had to have a um I'd have to have a needle in my tummy to to you know, test the amniotic fluid we'd ended up having like a 4d scan because she was born with a cleft lip um and they weren't sure because they couldn't couldn't see whether she whether she was born with a a cleft palate but she she came very very early she came at 25 weeks 27 weeks 20, she came 27 weeks and 5 days so she was 12 weeks early and yeah and we were both kind of really poorly i had strep b I'll get it right i had, we both had strep b so we were both kind of really poorly on an, on antibiotics and in the end it was just, it was just too much for her, she was, you know, she was too early and, you know, she, she, you know, she tried it and tried for, for kind of 12 days, but unfortunately she, you know, she passed away and we were all with her, you know, the whole family was, was kind of with her and, you know, they, they took her off oxygen um, in the morning and said that she would just kind of d- gently drift away throughout the course of the day and so the family kind of stayed with us and then eventually kind of left about gosh it was they they left about 6 in the afternoon you know and she she just was still with us and and then she had passed away at um 9 9:30 in in the evening and she just drifted off to sleep and and you know and and then and she was gone and it was just, yeah, it just was. I don't. Know, I can't even. I can't even. That's a whole nother thing. I can't even kind of describe. Um, just that you know, it just was kind of devastating to, and just un, just completely unfathomable to to. Yeah. To, it just. I think I think you think with pregnancy, you know, once you get past 16 weeks, that's all anyone's kind of really worried about. And, you know, then everything will be fine after that. And you just don't really prepare you for kind of how precarious it all is. Particularly, I mean, I was really poorly as well. And that was, you know, really kind of scary for me, kind of, you know, worrying about her, you know, worrying about whether I would make it through, know Simon worrying about both of us yeah and and you know after that we went to counselling and you know we we decided you know that if we could survive this both on a relationship level and on an individual level then we were almost certain we could pretty much master you know actually raising a child and and kind of get on with this because we were both really quite frightened of the whole prospect when even when I fell pregnant. As I say, it was the natural course of things, but we kind of never really had that moment where we said, right, we're gonna, you know, we feel ready to do this. It was more like, if we want to do this, we need we need to get on and do this. And we kind of came out of the experience. And I remember Simon saying at Jasmine's funeral that, you know, if it taught him anything, it taught him kind of how to survive and that you can kind of go on and you must. And, you know, if I can, you know, if I can do this, I can kind of do anything. And, you know, so, yeah, so kind of 18 months later, we, we fell pregnant uh, with Amelia and she was, in almost as much of a rush to 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 get into the world so she was 8 weeks early but the pregnancy was you know it just chalk and cheese you know i felt fabulous even though i knew i should be scared of what might happen i actually felt fine i felt fine in my head i didn't have any kind of sort of mental health issues i didn't have any anxiety Aside from what is appropriate for, you know, someone who has lost a, a baby, and they honestly checked me like it felt like every five minutes I was back in the hospital, you know, being checked for this and that and the other, and and you know, and and it, it was a it was a, a you know a lovely pregnancy right up until she just kind of started coming really early and you know unexpectedly, um, and we you know we were both poorly again, so I think it probably was similarly a, a strep g infec- or a strep b infection sorry that i carry that causes kind of the the sort of early onset but you know she she was absolutely fine and we didn't stay in hospital for you normally staying for the full until the baby has kind of reached its kind of full term yeah full full term so we should have stayed in an 8 weeks and we didn't you know they released us kind of early And yeah, you know, we kind of felt that we were just so lucky, you know, to, to have her and for her to be healthy and not have any kind of complications from, from, um, you know, from being born premature. And that was kind of it for us. You know, we then decided, you know, we didn't want to risk our family, we didn't want to risk a loss, um, of me or, or the child. And, and actually we had our family and, you know, I think that's, we do keep Jasmine's memory alive quite strongly. And we did choose to tell Amelia when she was quite young that she had a sister. And so we sort of feel, you know, in a funny way, like there are kind of four of us, um, uh, to the extent that you know sometimes her school friends find it difficult to understand how she talks about her sister as if she's here but she's not and obviously we've you, you know she's not and I've had kind of friends of her parents kind of asking about Jasmine assuming that she's a child from another marriage who is kind of living with you know, another parent somewhere, as opposed to kind of, you know, being a, a spiritual part of our family as, as a, you know, as opposed to a, a kind of being a, a, a real sort of physical presence.
1: hmm. I think that's beautiful to kind of weave Jasmine into your family and into the way that Amelia kind of thinks about herself in the world as having had this sister instead of just being a a true only child. What has the experience been like for you and Simon, having both grown up as only children to now be raising your own only child? Uh,
0: For me, it brings back so many memories, you know, kind of good and bad or, or you know, you kind of you know, that that uh, you know, I don't mean kind of bad, bad, but you know the the kind of the memories of not being so adept at dealing with kind of friends and friendships and falling out with friends. and I think, you know, Simon being kind of much more introverted person. You know, he has a kind of a small kind of group of friends who are very solid. You know, I have a kind of a a small group of friends who are really solid, but I have lots of kind of other sort of friendships that are kind of, you know, varying degrees of kind of depth. Um, And I try to kind of gather people around me because of my extrovertness. And he tends to just kind of focus on his core group and so sometimes I see in Amelia that focus on one individual person and it kind of worries me kind of putting all of that emphasis on that one person because you know when there are difficulties you know it has she got the the you know how can I help her kind of build the capacity to kind of deal with those relationships when they break down, when perhaps I don't necessarily have that same understanding, those kind of same skills. You know, someone could text me, like, in the middle of the night and say, I really need your help with something. Can you come over right now? And I'd be there. But if something happened to me in the middle of the night, I would really struggle to contact someone without just feeling like a nuisance, even though... I need something, because I think as an only child, you, you, in a way, you're sometimes so used to being kind of self-sufficient. You think, I I should be able to just do this myself. But at the same time, you kind of don't always kind of of appreciate what it's like to be able to just reach out to somebody um, and know that they'll be there. And I think that's what I imagine having brothers and sisters would be like, is just kind of instant friends and you know I, I know that's not realistic so when i look at her i think how can i you know broaden her group of friends how can i make sure she's got like a good kind of support network and like, I i guess you know the other thing about being an only is kind of having to take care of yourself and, and keep yourself occupied and sometimes i i, I you know, Simon and I are very involved in her games and my and my dad too. And actually that's given me an insight of what my child was like childhood was like with my dad because he was very much like on the floor with me in my make believe games. And that's what Simon and I are like. You know, we are kind of down on her level in her games, but I sometimes worry that she has to have someone there and this kind of whole homeschool period that we've had during kind of lockdown where she's had to entertain my, herself, You know, there, there are times when I have just really kind of worried about her capacity to kind of just get on with things on her own and her not having kind of the company of others and us not being able to kind of give her that company. I mean, she's certainly glad to be back at school, But, you know, I think she's enough like Simon in a positive way that she does kind of like her own space. And, you know, she does like being in her own company. I just feel I feel torn a lot, I think, (laughs) you know, to, to to trying to equip her and trying to remember what it was like to be me in that time and what I think I would have needed
1: At the time that you were growing up, your mom was kind of bringing all these people into your home. And at the time, it sounds like it was kind of exhausting for you to be around so many people on the weekends. And I wonder if in addition to maybe bringing in people because your mom wanted that kind of support system or those people around for her needs, if there was ever a sense that maybe she thought since the family unit was so small and maybe fragile that you needed other people and she was bringing, she was building that system
0: for your family? I think the constant influx of people, there was just too many. There wasn't kind of, there, there wasn't, it was almost it was almost like a conveyor belt, like, if you're right, you know, and I I see, absolutely see where you're coming from. She's filling the house for her. But you know, she's filling it with children as well, for me. But because there were just kind of so many, I kind of never, it was like a really big group of acquaintances, but never anyone that kind of sort of sparked a really kind of close relationship in those situations. Because I think, Whilst the parents were friends, the kids were from all over the place, we were from all different schools, you know. My mum's kind of family all kind of lived in central London, so when the cousins came to us, it wasn't someone that was kind of close by. And, you know, it wasn't that I didn't have, like, a really close-knit group of friends at school, and I would have loved to kind of have them sort of over sort of more. And as I, as I got older and, you, you know... I kind of was able to sort of do that as part of those kind of weird, you know, these big events that, that kind of would happen, but it was always very much on her terms. So it would be her adult friends and their kids. But yeah, I I can absolutely see that that was, you know, potentially that was the, the kind of the intention of filling the house. I'm
1: sure that, your mother's passing at such a young age has had a, a number of impacts on your life. Uh, but i wonder in in what ways has it perhaps more acutely impacted the way that you parent amelia i
0: I do feel like I am always kind of preparing her for me not being here i i you know i I so. My mum died when she was 43, so I had quite a bad year when I was kind of, I'm 46 now, so I had quite a bad year like in, <laughs> when I turned 43 because I was quite worried that I was going to die. And I, I just I felt like I needed to leave a legacy. I needed to write down recipes that we cooked together so that she would have them if I went. You know, I'd share with her, you know, kind of, the books I loved as a child and how much I love her and you know kind of special sort of like memories things that she can kind of go back to over time like I used to sing her a song you know every night when she went to sleep when she probably until she was about probably until she was about five and I don't know why we, we kind of just stopped because we we both still kind of enjoyed that sort of time. But I think as she got a bit older, we would just talk about her day at school and that would be t- time for her to kind of download things or tell me like sort of things that had happened in the day that she kind of hadn't thought to tell me like on the school run or, you know, when we were eating dinner. But yeah, con- I, I do feel like I'm just constantly preparing her for, me not being here, and I, I'm quite, you know, I'm quite anxious for when she becomes my age. So she's eight, and I'm quite anxious for when she kind of turns 15 because I feel like I will see myself again at that age and it will bring back those kind of memories. And I know that that is, that is kind of a grief trigger so you know read you know read kind of various books about kind of the the sort of the grief process so i'm kind of already preparing myself for 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 that for that sort of time but very much you know feeling like i just want her to know as much about me as possible i don't and it because if i went I wouldn't want her to feel like I felt like I didn't know my mum. And, you know, and, and over time, I've, I've gone through phases of feeling much closer. So, you know, I do feel closer to my mum. And, it, you know, I, I try to cook things that she used to cook. I've got, like, her cookery books. I Sometimes from the charity shop, I will buy things that were household items from my kind of childhood not household it's not quite right but you know I'll buy like a particular kind of brand of something or particularly in charity shops obviously you find like you know the stuff from the 70s or the 80s or or whatever and I'll buy stuff just because it reminds me of her and you know I'm always at my dad's house like poking around like can I have that like plastic spoon because it reminds me of mum? and he's like yeah whatever you know you're weird (laughs) but you know I wear her apron to cook. Um, you know, I do still have kind of clothes of hers that I might not wear, but, but that I just, they're they are kind of, I have a very visual memory. I, I have to have, I have things, you know, that and, and they kind of help sort of ground me into that past. And so, you know, and I share those things with Amelia, you know, this was your grandma's. And again, I try and keep, you know, she is grandma Sandra. And so I try to, even though she, you know, she wasn't my mum for long, you know, in, in kind of a real, in a practical sense, if you see what I mean, she wasn't kind of there for long, but I do do again, kind of refer to her as a, as a presence in, in, you know, in our life. And I know like I am the absolute spitting image of her to, to the point where, you know, for, for many years, in fact, you know, to this day, you know, if people, you know, come up upon me, you know, unexpectedly, you know, and they are like genuinely kind of taken aback when they see me because I look so much like her. You know, people go white sometimes when they just kind of forget and then realise it's kind of me and not her. So in a way, like I look in the mirror and I think, you know, that's what she would look like. And there, you know, there she is. But, I, you know, and, and I you know with the cooking you know with I tried to kind of introduce Amelia to the things that my mum tried to introduce me to but I was too cross with her so she would cook like this wonderful food and she would always kind of try all these exotic kind of traditional recipes she was half Greek and and half Hungarian and so there would be kind of traditional dishes and I was always just like no Giving me my dad's sausage and mash volcano or, you know, the salad that looks like a face. That's all I want. You know, I was, you know, whatever, you know, 11, 12, you know, and I didn't want to eat Hungarian goulash. But, I, you know, it, it has a it still has a special place in my heart, you know, and I want to kind of sh- share that love of cooking that she was obviously trying to share her interest with me when I just kind of wasn't receptive to it at all. So I'm I'm trying to kind of take that family tradition kind of forward with Amelia. But yeah, I just, I don't know because she's not here. And so I don't know, I'm guessing, I guess it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, and in a way I I think she's almost more present in your life today than it sounds like she was during your adolescence because yeah. you're talking about her you're using things that she's used you're cooking things that she's cooked before mm. well i know we have a special treat i know that uh, amelia has agreed to come onto to this podcast and so uh, i'm excited to speak with her you ready okay Okay. Amelia, my first question for you is, I'm curious if you know how you got the name Amelia. Uh,
2: I only remember that it was part of my sister's name.
1: And who's your sister? Jasmine. And did you ever meet Jasmine? No. What What do you know about her?
2: Um, no,
1: I don't know.
2: What happened to her? I actually can't remember.
1: Oh, I can't. Okay. That's okay. Amelia, well, how old are you? Eight. And you're an only child, is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, tell me, what's it like to be an eight-year-old and an only child?
2: It's quite fun, but it's sometimes quite annoying. How so? Because sometimes I need to do something, but I'm in the middle of doing something else, but I need someone else to do something whilst I'm doing the other thing.
1: Do you have an example of this? No. <laughs> okay, so so you need other people around to kind of help you achieve this greater vision that you have for whatever it is that you're doing. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I see. And... um. Do you ever, aside from kind of needing people uh, to, to help you, do you ever get lonely as an only child? Sometimes. And do you, do you ever think about what it would be like to have a sibling?
2: Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I know you, you had Jasmine. Um, is she who you think about if? You had a sibling? Mm-hmm. So like an older sister type? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And what what's your relationship like with your mom and dad?
2: Um, do you want me to leave the
1: room? No. <laughs> do you do um some types of activities more with one parent instead of the other? Yeah. Like, what do you do with your dad?
2: Um, I sometimes go out to play football, and I sometimes play video games. Um, I sometimes build some Lego with him, but he doesn't really do as much as Mommy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And and what do you mean by that? What does your mom do?
2: She does cooking, sewing, knitting. Um, what else? Uh, she helps me do my homework. That's well, also something that Daddy can do too. But anyway, um, she can. Okay, that's it. I can't think of anything else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do we do together a lot in fact every sunday cook i didn't yeah. say that
2: did you, you yeah, do that's baking but, thing. Thing.
0: but we do that together is what i mean
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow and what was the last thing that you baked together
2: <laughs> um
1: muesli muffins Ooh, that sounds delicious Okay, Amelia, fi- final question, and then you can enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, what are you excited for in the coming school term?
2: Um, I'm excited because I haven't seen all my friends in ages. and I'm also excited because I'm gonna lo- I'm gonna learn new things that I didn't learn last year in school.
1: That sounds great. Well, best of luck with school, and I'm so glad that you get to see your friends again, and really appreciate your talking to me today. Ready? Can you tell me?
2: So Daddy was saying that a few weeks ago, I told him this, but a few weeks ago, children didn't understand when I said that I had a sister because they didn't know I had one. Right. Okay, then, bye-bye. Was that... Was that yeah, that okay.
0: was it. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I'll let Mary know.